0: In the late afternoon of Christmas Day, the Minnesota Vikings began their game against a hated rival, the New Orleans Saints, as they stubbornly pursued a Christmas miracle. The Saints opened on their own 25, but they didn't stay there for very long. New Orleans almost immediately found success running the ball. Latavius Murray, Emmanuel Sanders, and Alvin Kamara all picked up first downs on that opening drive. Minnesota's front seven were regularly ahead of position. In the opening moments, which unfortunately was a trend that continued throughout the game, and on first and forty from Minnesota's own four, or first and ten, rather from Minnesota's forty-yard line, Drew Brees took the snap from under center and handed it off to Kamara. Minnesota's defensive tackles were washed out of the play, and the linebackers quickly found themselves wrestling with a blocker. Kamara exploded up the middle, defeating an arm tackle from Anthony Harris on the way to his first of six touchdowns on Christmas.
1: Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome to Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. We're proud to partner with Vikings Territory, Purple PTSD, and Purple Territory Radio. If you're looking for great Vikings coverage, be sure to stop by these sites, and you're always welcome at the Vikings Gazette. And with that being said, let's get to first down here. Uh, you thought it'd be good to talk about the New Orleans opening script and it was pretty clear early on. It's going to be lots of running.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, New Orleans. So, you know, Sam and I are just talking about this and uh, I think you'll, you'll, you'll hear this reference. I'm not sure how many, how many fans or casual fans would know this, but every offense pretty much will script their opening 15 or so plays. And I mean, the reason for that is, really multiple. I mean, just keep in mind every game obviously starts at zero zero. So it's not like you're in a situation where you have to throw the ball a lot or you're trying to milk the clock and see so run run the ball all the time or whatever. Like there's no real circumstance that would dictate to you what you can run. And so offensive coordinators will plan the first 15 or so plays with basically various purposes in mind. Uh there's a great article on a site called Blitzology. And uh the person who writes this is a defensive-minded coach, but he reached out apparently to uh several offensive coordinators and offensive play callers and this kind of thing to see, you know, what are you trying to get at in those opening 15 plays? And he basically he he categorized the responses he got fell into five main categories. Uh so establishing an identity, whatever that is for your offense, uh, diagnostic plays that are scripted he says in order to diagnose some piece about the defense so maybe you run a certain play you want to see how a defense reacts okay when we go and give them this look how does defense respond and then we're going to take in that information and then maybe plan to exploit that later on in the game there's the designer category which is a play that's specifically designed for that defense we think that we can you know this play is here as it's going to exploit this area of weakness there's a catalyst category which is a play that's designed to provoke a response from the defense. And then finally, there's the cumulative effect category, which he uh, describes as plays that, you know, throughout the game will really impact uh, a defense. They'll have a cumulative effect, uh, of, you know, especially by the time you get to the third and fourth quarter. And so a lot of times what you're seeing is offensive coordinators, you're basically, you're trying to gather information. You're trying to get the ball into your playmaker's hands. You're trying to see how the defense is going to respond. And you're trying to set yourself up for later on in the game. So you do these things, you know, at the 10-minute mark in the first quarter because you have the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter in mind, right? It's a chess match, right? And so it's interesting to see what a team comes up with with their opening script at 15 plays. And in New Orleans, what they came up with, it wasn't particularly complex. There weren't, you know, any crazy play fakes or trick plays or anything like that. It was Alvin Kamara up the middle uh, and with a lot of success. You know, he had the six touchdowns and uh, the the Vikings really didn't have much of an answer. Now, in fairness, those those opening moments, you know, Drew Brees did get uh, Emmanuel Sanders involved, Jared Cook involved, there's a couple others as well. But really, this was about getting Alvin Kamara going and directly at those linebackers, directly at the defensive tackles, directly at the linebackers, and basically saying, can you can you stop us, right? And then the answer, really, th- then at the beginning and then throughout the game was, no, they can't, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it was clear very early on, running up the ball, running the ball up the middle, getting Kamara going, and that first touchdown. I don't know what the message was. I was uh oh that I yeah. said you. It was like, yeah, this isn't good. Uh, yeah, I I yeah. think I said I predicted to be could be a 250-yard game. I don't think it was that quite that much, but but six touchdowns is, uh, I guess, a, a fine alternative there, too. He, uh, it was just, it wasn't a whole lot of stopping.
0: No, it, it was, yeah, the Vikings were overmatched basically in every way on defense. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. They didn't, like, so if you, I'm pretty sure it's Fritz Schirmer. I don't have this in the notes, but so I should have had it. So Fritz Schirmer was a defensive coordinator in the, um, in the NFL. He he coached the Packers. And he I'm pretty sure it's in one of his books where he talks about how there's an invisible string between a player's brain and their feet. The idea being that the more a player has to think, the slower their feet are going to go. And so if they're really trying to decipher on the fly, oh my gosh, what's the offense trying to do? They're, they're going to be slower. Even if that player is extremely fast, it doesn't really matter. They're, they're just because they're going to be indecisive. And the plays happen so fast. Minnesota didn't really have that excuse in this past game. It wasn't like the Saints were doing anything complex, like Kamara up the middle and you know, behind his guards, behind the center. There's really no reason to hesitate, to play slow. That invisible string connecting your brain and your feet really shouldn't have been an issue. Uh, the brain should be processing things pretty quickly and allowing you to react pretty quickly. Uh, but we were just out guns. We, we just... Couldn't slow them down, unfortunately. And Drew Brees, I, I thought, didn't even play particularly well. But it was just the run game was so dominant for the
1: Saints. Yeah. Well, I think that that's one of the thoughts I had. I think you get these older quarterbacks, and Brees obviously is, is on the tail end. Yes. i think people have said this might be it for him. I don't know. It, it feels like these guys always want to kind of go until – they they can't until until they're being dragged on a wheelchair or something. Yeah, right. They, they it's all about seeing how long they can go. And so I was like, you know what? If they can stop the run, they have a good chance. But it was very much they got the the run established. There was just no stopping that. And once you had that, the passing lanes are open and Brees. Yeah. It, it similar to Trubisky last week. Like it just looked easy yes things were open and it yeah. it really wasn't challenging and and it's one of those things that obviously breeze played well but how much credit do you give him versus how much is that of that is related to just how this defense is is playing right now
0: yeah i think there's i really don't think breeze looked particularly confident like i don't think he looked great late the couple interceptions uh, there was a couple times where he was obviously nursing that rib injury um to me, this is a team that's vulnerable as they go into the playoffs. Uh, now, the Minnesota Vikings are not a team that can exploit, you know, those those issues. But I, w- I do wonder about a team uh, more competent than us who perhaps can, because uh, I think that you did see especially uh, I mean, the Vikings offense did play well. Um, the defense played horribly, but. You know the offense, all things considered, did play pretty well. And so I think that maybe going into the playoffs, uh, I think Saints fans perhaps have reason to be concerned a little bit.
1: Yeah, this it very much feels like there's not every team that is making the playoffs has holes. It no, there's no ability yeah. to have a perfect team, I guess, but it is fascinating. It will be interesting to see. Uh, I think the last couple weeks we've gotten a chance to see some of these teams that will likely be in the playoffs, the Saints for sure. Um, the Bears. be determined, but it it is fascinating to watch how your team plays against these teams. And then there's a chance that one of these teams just gets absolutely steamrolled by a a team when they get to the playoffs and it's like exactly there's definitely some some tiers right now. And unfortunately at this point, this Vikings team as it's currently constructed is is a couple tiers below where they need to be to be a playoff team and to to be able to contend. Yeah, Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Transitioning into the second down you talked initially about the New Orleans or New Orleans opening script. Uh, yep. I said to you quickly, like the Minnesota offense needs to be on, and and their opening script was relatively impressive too.
0: Yeah, yeah, their their opening drive was fantastic. You know, they Sam and I have talked about this. I've written about this at the Vikings Gazette. Any number of Vikings fans or writers or whoever has talked about this, and I mean, I've bemoaned the fact that. Gary Kubiak hasn't done a good enough job of getting his guys involved early. And, I mean, that's one of the things that's diagnosed um, or rather described on Blitzology uh, with the opening script. A lot of times offensive coordinators are trying to, you know, get to the core of their identity, right? So who are you? What do you want to do? How do you succeed on offense? Okay, we want to do those things. And then you want to do those things by getting the ball into your playmaker's hands, right? And so the opening plays, that opening script, you featured Adam Thielen had a couple catches on the opening drive. Justin Jefferson picked up a first down. Tyler Conklin was targeted twice. The screen didn't work out, but he did pick up a first down later. And then Dalvin Cook had success. And he, he picked up a few first downs. He had a touchdown. So to me, I step back from that opening drive and say, okay, that is a smart way to start. From the opening, you know, they opened with play action and then a bootleg. Past Adam Thielen for, I think it was like 15 or 16 yards. Then they hit Jefferson and then the rolling. I love it. And so the opening moments of the game, I think Sam knew it. I think I knew it. I think basically everyone knew who was watching Minnesota's chance. That is a very small chance of winning this game. Minnesota's chance was to be dominant on offense, was to go kind of toe to toe and basically hope that you can keep it close. And then, you know, something breaks your way, you know, in the second half. And you and you end up stealing this game. That was their chance. And the and the offense for the most part played pretty well. They played well to start, I thought, and um, they played well throughout the game. Uh, but they just boys of boys, they just couldn't keep up.
1: No, and and really, I was just calculating. I think that if you include the last drive, which is they were they were kneeling the ball, three three drives that the Saints didn't score on. Yeah. So it, you can't. To keep yep. up with that, you have to be uh, basically unstoppable, basically perfect yep. and as tough. And you did mention earlier, but there was some plays like you said the defense was, was porous, but they needed yep. to get some, some turnovers and Harrison hand did, did come up with a big INT there.
0: He did, right. And so I think, you know, in life, as with football a lot of times you're really just looking for a chance, right? Like, just give me a chance, and you're trying to make the most of it. Whatever whatever that is, whatever profession or whatever opportunity, give me a chance. And Harrison Hayen gave them a chance. You know, he has been buried on the death chart. He's a fifth-round rookie, and uh, even with all the injuries, his playtime has been pretty limited. But he got that interception in the second quarter. There was around five or so minutes left. Uh, and at that time, it was a close game, right? It was 17-14. to 14. Harrison Hand gets an interception and you're thinking to yourself, or I mean, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, after all of that, if the Vikings are smart with this and do things well, they could basically, you know, run their four-minute offense, drain the clock in the first half and potentially go into the half, maybe up 21 to 14. That to me at that time wasn't that unrealistic because the offense had played well up until that point. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, we might actually go into the half leading here, and more than just that, we begin the second half with the ball. So th- this is this is Minnesota's chance in many ways, I felt. Uh, but they gained zero yards in that drive. And they took, like, less than two minutes. And then they punted the ball away. And then New Orleans scored. And it's 24-14 going into the half rather than potentially uh, 21-14. Or maybe they don't get a touchdown. Maybe they kick a field goal, 17-17. Uh, But it was, that was a big moment. If there's one critique of the offense for that game is that there were some critical moments where we really, really needed them to elevate. We really needed Gary Kubiak to pull at all the stops. Give me your best play call, whatever it is, make this happen. Uh, And I I put this more on Kubiak than I do on Kirk Cousins at this point. Uh, And unfortunately they didn't capitalize on that what was really a pretty nice interception by Harrison Hand especially given the context of you know him being a rookie not playing a lot you're going against all-time great you're on the road it's Christmas day you know yada yada, yada. He, he stepped up in a big moment and it's unfortunate that the offense couldn't do anything with it
1: yeah yeah there's that that drive I was wondering if that was going to be your your uh, starting story the right yeah, that yeah. Drive and there's there's a lot of stories I think looking (laughs) back looking back it's easy to look at that first drive and be like this was a story that was was just written from the start Um, Yeah. yeah but for sure at that point it was like okay there's a chance here and I think especially with momentum and the way it goes to be able to capitalize on that and to go into the half and even after the the half the third quarter there was that that drive too that that just sputtered and It was like, these were your chances to get in. And by that point, Please. the way the Saints were scoring, it was just, it was too late. So yep. Yep. Um, briefly, I think that it's at this point, it's hard to talk about it a little bit, but the defense performance.
0: Yeah. Do, I mean, what do you we'll, take from this? Harrison hand played pretty well, <laughs> you know, like I was, you know, it was exciting to see Harrison hand get it. He got a few snaps. Um It was nice to see him force that turnover. It was also nice to see, I mean, Hardy Nickerson Jr., uh, one of their backup linebackers, he got a pick. That was more so, I would say, kind of lucky, right place, right time. But, I mean, you know, I'm not going to criticize the guy for that. I mean, he was in the right place at the right time, and so he deserves a certain amount of credit for getting that interception. Um, But the defense, by and large, uh, was awful. Uh, Just... As, as bad as I've ever seen it in my lifetime. Uh, and that leads to uh, a certain amount of kind of questioning for, you know, wh- where are things are with this team and where are things are with Mike Zimmer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I think that as I was watching, I think one of the things I would hope for, and that gives me some hope as a fan that that's not really a fan uh, of, of this team really, I think, some of these guys normally wouldn't see the field nearly as much as they are. And this is very much a, it's a season that looking back, you're not going to be able to, to take a whole lot from in terms of actual success. Like the, the record's going to be whatever, seven and nine or, or six and 10. Yep. And that's that's disappointing. But to be able to give your depth some of these experiences and to go against some of these teams, I think for me, it's it's exciting. And I think that there's a chance for these players to develop. Losing, I think, socks. Yep. It 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 will, I think, bring some development for for some of these guys. And and when injuries come later down, they're going to be able to draw from this experience. But at this point, yeah, this defense is bad. And and I think that you talked about Mike Zimmer. And just as we transition to this last down, the the question is: Is Mike Zimmer on the hot seat? Where, where are you at with that? What are your thoughts?
0: Personally, I don't think so. I don't think he'll be fired during the offseason. He, he just signed an extension, right, before the season began. Rick Spielman just signed an extension. Kirk Cousins signed an extension. And so at, over at the Vikings, Gazette, refer, so this is the leadership trinity. These three guys, your starting quarterback, your general manager, and your head coach all signed extensions during the offseason. To me, I'm reading that, I was looking at those things and I'm saying, okay, this this is the Wilfs who are the owners of the Vikings. The Wilfs are saying, okay, the Vikings now have their window. We've married these three together. And if they basically can't get it done within these next couple of years, two, three years, then we're going to start over, right? Because we're we're basically, we're syncing up all their contracts and we're going to allow them to kind of give this one final shot. But if it doesn't happen... Then, then we're going in a new direction. And I think that's fair. But keep in mind, this is only year one of that window. And, and I get it. This is, I think, year seven of Zimmer overall in Minnesota. And I think there's some frustration from the Vikings fans. And that's, you know, that's fair. We've had our fair share of uh, ups and downs, mostly downs. Uh, but Zimmer, I think, is going to get another chance with this team. And I think he deserves it. My one concern, and I wrote about this a little bit yesterday, was to me it looked like the defense quit on Christmas Day. They were so awful. Uh, and I realize you get guys playing in roles they shouldn't be in and all this stuff, but it just looked like they had no fight at all. Uh, these, All these missed tackles, poor angles, poor effort. Brutal, brutal. and th- And these are like... I recognize that it's not going to happen this year, but Sam was just saying, we got young guys who are are growing. If you're a young guy in the NFL, especially if you're not that first round pick, then you're fighting for your future, right? This is an audition. You're putting stuff on tape and if it doesn't work out for the Vikings, you're hoping that you still show something good so that another team will pick you up, right? And it just, they looked so, so bad. Uh, So my one concern would be Has Zimmer lost this group? I don't think he has personally. I think this was just one awful game. And I think there are a number of factors why this game was awful. And that's not to say that the defense hasn't struggled before this. Um, They have, but not to this degree. Uh, And so to me, this next game against Detroit is going to be really interesting because if the Detroit Lions, with all of their issues, if the Detroit Lions run you out of town, and the defense doesn't show up, then then I think maybe you say, Oh my gosh, you know, may, maybe, maybe Zimmer's uh on the hot seat at that point. But I think at this stage, I think he's gonna go into 2021 on a bit of a shaky foundation. I think he'll I think he'll be given the chance to come back and and get this thing going in the right direction in 2021. But if they if they don't do well next year, I think that's it for Mike Zimmer.
1: Yeah, I, I think that with coaching, you mentioned a couple of good things there. For sure, if, if a coach has lost the voice in the room, yes. that's, a, that's an issue. And that's, yes. that's a space where obviously whoever's making that decision needs to have a pulse on the room and have an idea of what's happening and, and be able to figure that out. And I think that in some ways, I don't necessarily agree with make, like leaving the decision in the player's hands. But talking to some of those leaders, you want for those leaders to have Zimmers back.
0: Yes, for
1: and you sure. want them to know and believe that hey, this is our guy. Exactly, uh, especially with the money that you've invested in in some of these top guys. Yeah, I know that they are committed to doing that because it's a trickle down effect. And so, for sure, I, at this point, that's the option I see with this team in terms of. if that's the issue. Then, then he's gone. In terms of the performance, I don't think that you can necessarily do that. I, I think the coaches get a bad rap sometimes, where it's easy to dispose of a coach easier to do that than, than cut all 53 players or to cut off cut everyone and I think that the way the NFL is set up it's a little bit easier to move on from guys than just with the way the contracts work than than elsewhere um, one of the questions I have for you with that is that I think that in some ways and, and maybe you disagree it would be better for if the Vikings are going to move on him to move on him in the offseason versus four or five games into next season
0: yeah, certainly. I, I like so. Let's let's say the Vikings start one to five again next year. So the the Wolfs say to themselves, okay, we're going to give Zimmer a chance, but he's on a pretty short leash. And if they start one and five again, we're pulling the plug. If that's the case, then maybe it's better to do it now, like Sam is saying, because then at least you have the full off seasons to kind of uh, get your coaching staff in place, implement the new vision. But I really just don't see that personally i i really like the wilfs i think they're good owners and i think they you know they consistently provide uh the finances they can spend to the cap every single year uh and they never get in the way they can never get in the way of what rick spielman or mike zimmer want to do they provide the resources they let the football guys make the football decisions and then they have provided incredible facilities us bank stadium is beautiful the training facilities are beautiful and then from some, from there then, and then they also don't seem overly reactionary. Like they don't seem to be kind of, I know, a couple weeks ago I, t- I talked about not getting too high or too low. Uh, it doesn't seem like the wills get too high or too low. They see kind of like the big vision, the big plan, and they kind of will see it through. Um, and so to me, that would be surprising if that's where they were. If that's where they are, then man, they really need to seriously consider moving on from zimmer at this point but if that's not the case and i don't think it is because i i think that they to me they're ideal owners they provide resources they buy into the vision they're not overly reactionary man what more can you ask for from 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 your owners right and so i think that especially since this offseason the changes were so dramatic to the roster so many players were cut they had this 15 person draft class which is you know You know, this roster is built in Mike Zimmer's image. Those 15 players were brought in because they were kind of to his specifications, to what they want to do on defense and on offense. So it would be very surprising to me if the Wilfs weren't at least willing to give it one more full year. Right. And uh, just because they've invested so heavily in constructing the roster in a certain way. And it's the way they've constructed it is in it's according to Mike Zimmer's plan and purpose. And so I think he'll have 2021. 20, and I think that even if they go one and five, I think he'll have 2021. 20, uh, it would take, to, to my mind at least, if they're two and 10, if they're two and 11, then at that point you probably pull the plug. But the season's shot at that point, the season's done. Uh, but I think that, that Zimmer's probably back uh, mm-hmm. no matter what. But they do need to kind of evaluate this Detroit lane, they're the Detroit Lions game, and really see are these guys, you know, Ken Zimmer motivate these guys? Are they actually playing for their coach? And if they aren't, that's a big, big issue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They, it, it feels like a meaningless game, but in many ways it's not. And, exactly. And here's a chance for them to, to do this and, and to finish the season strong. And yeah. like I, I, I think that there's a space for momentum. I don't think that you can really talk about the end of the game really drawing a whole lot for seven months down the road. But I do think that being able to show and know that hey we can do this, we can do this as a unit, especially with some of these younger guys, that that's crucial. I do <laughs> think I agree. I, I think that at this point if they make the decision to to keep him, it's very much a you have next season. And the, the NFL season is short. Like it's wild how short it is. It's oh man. It's yeah. Amazing how fast sixteen games go and yeah. how critical each and every game is, and, and yeah. even look at some of the starting games with the with the Vikings, if there were yeah. some winnable games there and, and you can always look back and say, oh, if, if only. But there's a chance that we're talking about this a little differently. I don't think that we, at this point, what we've seen, that we're kind of hoping that the team makes the playoffs in the sense that it's the the Week 16, Week 17 Vikings are, are not in a great spot. But no, no. But yeah, I, and I just wanted to, to note, because I think it's actually a really important thing that you mentioned about the, the owners, the wills, because it is amazing how much for an ownership group, like in a lot of ways you want the ownership group to be behind the scenes and not be vocal. Uh, you don't yep. want them going down and giving interviews after the game and, and making comments um, as we've seen with other teams. And like, yeah. it's <laughs> that, that shall not be named. Um, yeah. I think that it's... Really, to be able to have an ownership group that, that like you said, don't, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, is in it with the team, believes in the team, has made a commitment. I think that is such a thing that's not, I don't think it's really talked about a whole lot in sports circles, but it is so critical to the foundation of a team to be able to have that type of backing, that type of support in, in that leadership position. It's and huge. so that's a, that's a massive blessing for, for a sports team. Yeah. It's one of those things that you almost like, it's like, uh, no news is good news. If if you're not hearing about the owners and the owners aren't being talked about, unless it's them shelling out lots of good money and, and making good decisions. Uh, you don't really want to hear about, about the owners.
0: hundred percent. I mean, they care deeply. They provide resources. They let the football guys do football things boys. That's all I could ask for. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, oh, great. Well, that's going to take us to the end of this, the breakdown of the game. Unless you have anything else that you wanted to to make a comment on.
0: No, I think that, that's all for me. And so let's, uh, let's hop into the odds and ends and let's hear what's going on in the hockey world.
1: Yeah. So last week we talked a little preview on the World Juniors tournament that's happening right now. We're a few days in. It's actually, it was fascinating because normally they start Boxing Day. This year they started Christmas Day. And so I, I know I was busy with different things. We were Zooming with, family on on christmas day so i got to watch a little bit of, of sports here and there but um yeah this this world juniors tournament is, is right in it um the i guess we we talked a decent amount about rossi last week and so he was held pointless and the 11 nothing lost to the states uh so that's a that's a tough break the states are just states against austria it's just not a not a competitive match no yeah, um, yeah. It's, that's a tough spot and so I'm, I'm interested to see what Rossi has to do the, the problem is they're in it like the group of of death they've got they've got <laughs> such a difficult matchup and so it's going to be difficult for him to to really showcase his stuff I mentioned yeah. last week and I wanted to to correct myself because we uh I mentioned the relegation and that Austria was going for that and there's actually no relegation this year uh, which is great for Austria in the sense that they won't have to worry about being eliminated. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for for fans, you're really just hoping that Rossi would have a chance to... to. I, I'm hoping for a couple big games against some of these lesser teams and maybe even provide somewhat of a shocking result against against one of these teams that are a little bit more of a powerhouse. We saw last night that the Czech Republic beat Russia and this is what I love about the tournament is just these opportunities for some of these lesser well-developed programs to, to take down some of these powerhouses and uh, not that the Czech is is that far behind Russia, but it's definitely a surprise. Um, so, yeah, Rossi, uh, Boldy had a hat-trick in that 11-0 win, and he also had an assist in the 5-3 loss to Russia. Um, so that that was great. I think that what I've read, Boldy has definitely got um, some significant upside, and he's had a great year this this year in, in uh he's just, he's really taken his game to the next level. And so I think that that's an exciting thing for, for fans. Um, so Russia last night, as I mentioned, was held pointless, no goals. Um, but Kostadinov had an assist in the 5-3 win over the States. And he was actually moved to the first line last night in that game. And and so I think that's really encouraging from the, from the second round pick this year to see that. Um, and then, yeah, first and Novak have been held pointless so far. Um I, I I just love this tournament. I think it's so great, uh, Kyle. I know we've we've been talking about it, and it's just watching these teams. I, I would encourage people if, if you get a chance to to watch, especially the states. I think will be fun. If, you know, a lot of the listeners come from there. Um, but yeah, this is just it's, such a great tournament.
0: It's bigger in Canada than it is in the states, which is a shame. Like it should be, it should have more attention elsewhere because it's so exciting. These are the best. and 19-year-old hockey players in the world, and they're all in the same spot competing for their countries. You know, to me, in my mind, I'd almost... I think folks in the States get really up for March Madness because you get that youthful enthusiasm, right? Like, you get this crazy energy and this effort, and there's just this awesome tournament. And I, I don't disagree with that. March Madness is great. But to me, this would be almost similar in the sense that you get this tournament of these kids, and you get this energy... The world juniors to me would be, to me, it's more exciting than March Madness because I'm a bigger hockey fan than basketball fan. But the energy, I think, is similar in my mind, at least. Um, I think folks in the States would probably disagree, but to me, that would be my perspective. Uh, now, the one thing about, so I was wondering about Marco Rossi. So he was, I mean, Sam's right. Like they're just, they're in the same division as Russia and the States and Finland. Oh, boy, they're overmatched. I mean, those those matchups are worse than the Saints and Vikings on Christmas Day. And so, I mean, what does success look like for Marco Rossi? I mean, is this like, to my mind, I look at that and say, okay, when you're on the power play, I want to see Marco Rossi looking dangerous. Like, when he does have a little bit of room to operate, I want to make sure that the puck is on his stick and that he's looking crisp. What are, you, what are you looking for? Because at this point, it's just so tough for him to stand out because his team, as a, him individually, he's a great player and he can compete with anybody. But his team as a whole is completely overmatched for the most part in that division.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those situations where I was realizing, like, in, it's difficult because, like I said, there's no relegation, so it's, it's encouraging for them. But, yeah. like, looking ahead basically to next year, I don't know if he's going to be there. Like I think Minnesota wild fan are probably hoping that he's on the wild roster and is con- contributing enough that he I, isn't at this tournament. And so a lot of this is about developing this, this team and he's been named the captain. He's got this opportunity to, to lead. And for sure, whenever they get a power play chance, that's, that's his time to, to shine. I, I think that the difficulty is that when you have these teams that have one superstar, um, it's difficult because the team can just hone in on that player and, and do that yeah. and, and just t- take him out of, out of the equation.
0: Yeah, but, Vikings fans will remember what it was like when we just had Adrian Peterson in the offense and no quarterback and no wide receivers, and you had eight and nine men in the box. And uh, so we can we can understand maybe what uh, Marco is going through there.
1: Yeah, I, I was curious, I, I think at some point we'll have to talk about Peterson because uh, certainly. Like I, like as a fan, I was I always watched him and just was amazed at his ability. Um, but yeah. Like I'm sure in some ways those are fun years and in other ways, like you said, having a one-dimensional team is tough. But I think with Rossi, what I was going to say is just it's very much about um, the not not that you have to question his compete level, but but very much about showing this team and this team has to is basically at this point fighting to figure out how they can stay in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, past sure. this past this year, and and so giving that giving them the opportunity not that not that he's he's teaching them, but but in a sense just leading by example in, in the way that he's playing, and he, the way that he's he's helping the team grow and, and figure out how to to play against some of these these greater teams uh, that they're they're playing. It is very much you've got the five countries of of Canada and and Russia and Finland, and Sweden, and, and the U.S. and They've they've won each at different points over the last several years and and that's a lot of fun I think that's that's really fun to watch different countries compete um, but yeah I am excited I want to watch more of of Rossing to see what he he does but he it's been difficult he hasn't played a whole lot this year like yeah. he the OHL stopped the in the Canadian Hockey League it stopped back in March and he got a game earlier this year he played I think he played one game and then he's He's, uh, now he's at this tournament and you can see with some of these teams that some of these guys haven't played any meaningful hockey for, for several months. And so that's a difficult spot to be in for sure. Um, so, yeah, anyways, hope for him is that gets a chance to, to get the motor going and then whatever ends up happening, whether, like I said, he ends up on the wild or, or not, um, and is able to play in a different league this year. Um, I think this is a neat chance and it's always fun to play for your country. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, I don't know if you have any words of wisdom for Yes, yeah, so
0: my, my word of wisdom for this week is coming from my own devotional, similar to last week with Ecclesiastes. Because it was Christmas, I was reading the opening of Luke's Gospel. And I was reading with Simeon, who, according to the Bible, was a righteous and devout man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So here was a, a dude who loved the Lord, feared God, and was waiting for the Messiah to arrive. So Christmas, in many ways, is a time of anticipation and longing, uh, waiting and hoping, that kind of thing. And uh, that was certainly true for Simeon. And I know it's a little bit of apples and oranges. We're talking about, you know, the savior of the world and a Super Bowl. So uh, there's a bit of a discrepancy, I suppose, between the two things we're talking about. But I think, you know, this Christmas season, I mean, Vikings fans, Sam and I would think that everyone should be longing and waiting for Christ's second return. But, uh, or I guess return, second arrival. Uh, but I think that for Vikings fans, it's okay to long and to wait and to anticipate our chance in this Christmas season. Uh, someday it's going to arrive. Some, someday we're going to get our shot. Uh, boys, it's not going to be this year. We saw that definitively on Christmas Day. But keep longing, keep waiting, keep hoping. It's going to happen. It's going to happen.
1: 2022,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, 2021, come on.
1: <laughs> uh, well, isn't it, I was going to say, I guess it's the 2021, I was thinking the 2021-2022 season.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we'll say it, the, it'll be the 2021 season, but they'll officially hoist that Super Bowl, hold it up in the air in 2020, February 2022.
1: So it's always weird I, I like to have a, a season that, that splits, like like in most leagues, that, that's what happens. Yeah. But I feel like the NFL, you get the bulk of the year in the yep in the, the one uh, the one year and then you've got just the, the playoffs and after the new year. But anyways, um, yeah, we want to thank people for listening. We've been really encouraged to see the numbers that, that we've gotten so far and, and we really hope that people continue to listen as we figure stuff out. We're, we're definitely growing, learning, uh, anticipating and, and hoping that as time goes on that we just continue to get better and better at this. And I know Kyle has put in Effortless, well, tireless work, effort, effortless, effortlessly. Um, but he, uh, yeah. And we're we're just super, super thrilled that that people are listening, and and we we hope that people continue. Um, so be sure to stop by vikingsgazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news. And actually, I was just thinking as we were closing, you wrote an article, Christmas, just just preceding Christmas, there about. Our, uh, our top three Christmas movies and Christmas yeah. foods and yeah, uh, right. Christmas songs. And I yeah. hope, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'm looking coming out of that. And <laughs> I, I, I know that you, you uh, may feel similarly. I know my wife had some, some comments for me. Um, I'm, I'm glad to engage in those conversations with, with people if they have any questions. I think that the <laughs> one thing I was going to say is, like, I mentioned the gravy is not a food. I think it's a condiment. Like, you don't consider ketchup on your burger a, a, a food option. So that was that was a disagreement me and Kyle had. For sure if you, we did. You wanted to have a rebuttal on that.
0: I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's for sure a food. And uh, I think I compared it to the offensive line. I think I said turkey is the quarterback. But gravy is the off- Turkey. The gravy is what makes the turkey really work. Because it's a dry meat. So, you, yeah, no, it's for sure a food. You need the gravy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just I think it's a condiment. I I, I don't I, I guess I can understand what you're saying, but yeah. Um. Anyways, there's some good stuff there, and and my I I revealed a secret that my my love for the Hallmark movies and and <laughs> such. Although I will say there's been a few that I've turned on this year because they've just pumped out a ton of them this year. Yeah. And some of them are just bad, and it's one of those things where you look at it and it's like, do I turn it off? And for me, I just unless a movie is like absolutely awful i try to finish it and so um anyways i i think that you also have to figure out for me it's about what's the purpose of a movie and and at times oftentimes because my mind is going so much i just want a simple movie that i know the ending and it makes me feel happy inside and and that's where i'm at and so i don't think you're getting that high action-packed uh thriller from from any christmas movies and and i'm totally okay with that fair enough yeah uh so we can be found on twitter uh and on facebook at vikings gazette and i personally sam can be found at sam allison 98 on twitter um anyways thanks so much for listening and we will talk with you all next week as we talk about the last game of the season